Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. So excited to come and share with you tonight. I do just need to tell you that Rob Steele dropped it like it was hot this morning. He brought an incredible message on prayer. I've got to say, for me personally, the best message I've heard on prayer. And I want to really encourage you to uh, go on the the, uh, website, look at the podcast, listen to it because it is very powerful. I just know it's going to help so many people. So I really want to encourage you to do that. So I'm going to also be speaking about prayer, but probably coming at it from a different perspective. And, uh, and I believe that uh, all being well, by the grace of God, it will complement uh, what Rob shared this morning. So I want to kick us off. As you know, this is all about laying uh, godly foundations in our life, about the apostles' teaching, about fellowship, about breaking the bread and prayer. These were the foundational things that the early church were built upon. And, uh, and we are here today because they built their lives uh, on, the, on these foundations. So they must have worked. They must be pretty good because here we are uh, centuries later, millenniums later, and uh, they are still working. So I wanna maybe get us off to a little bit of an interesting start. There's an account in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 12, where in verse five, the Bible says that so Peter was kept in prison, uh, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The, the, uh, the, the, the back story is to that is that, that, that Peter had been arrested James had been executed. And, uh, and so there was every anticipation that this disciple also was going to be executed uh, because uh, the, the, it seemed that the people were pleased with the first execution. And, uh, and so the church, not unreasonably, was earnestly praying. And then we go to uh, a few verses on in chapter 12 from verse 11. It says, Then Peter came to himself. That's one of those moments, you know, where you're watching a film, it goes all blurry and they kind of go back uh, and, and, uh, and then they, the, it goes blurry again and we're back in present day. What's happened is, is that there was Peter in prison, as you've heard, he was, he was chained between two guards in the inner cell and an angel came and led him out of prison. And it was on that basis that, that he says, Peter then came to himself. Now I know without doubt, he said, that the Lord has sent His angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. 
When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be His angel. Now I wanna just remind you, these are the same people who I said, this was the church earnestly praying for Peter to be set free. But when they found him knocking at the door, they didn't believe it. Verse 16 says, but Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. What an amazing story. Here we have the church, not just, they're not just having a nice little prayer meeting. They are earnestly praying. They are pouring themselves out in prayer, believing that God is going to act on their behalf. And then when He does, they don't believe it. I don't want to judge them too harshly. I think I'm kind of capable of that myself. I mean, you guys look like you're a little bit too holy for me, so I don't know. You, you've probably never had this kind of incident, but it's like you're praying, you're believing, we're praying, because that's what Christians do, right? We pray. We pray. I mean, we, we, we pray. We, we, that's what we do. But it is possible to pray and yet not see or, or uh, yeah, not, uh, not believe to see rather what you are believing to see. Now listen, I understand and I've listened to a few uh, sermons on prayer and you know what? It can so often end up being a bit of a guilt trip. You, 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 you know, we, we already feel bad about ourselves when it comes to prayer. We already feel like we're failing. We're not doing enough. We could be doing more. We could be doing better. And then all we need actually is a sermon uh, telling us uh, that, we, that we, we're not good, doing well enough and we could be doing better. Uh, listen, that, this is not that kind of sermon. It's not a guilt trip sermon. Uh, Max Lucado uh, talks about... Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, well, he's written a book for recovering prayer wimps. You know, like they're people who are like, they know they should be doing better. They know they're not doing as well as they, they should do. Uh, they're a bit wimpy when it comes to prayer, but it's a condition they're recovering from. So this is a sermon for recovering prayer wimps. Okay, it's not a guilt trip. So you're, you're all right. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna read it now because I wanna focus on some other things, but of, and, and Rob does it so beautifully this morning. He shows us how Jesus is praying. It's the, it's the bit where we, we, we get the Lord's prayer from. Um, it's actually the disciples' prayer, but we won't get into that. Uh, the Lord gives us a little bit of a pro forma on regard to how we should pray. But, but one of the disciples, one of the disciples hears uh, this prayer and he comes to Jesus and says, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. There's, there was just something about the way Jesus prayed that like, kind of made this guy feel like he didn't know how to pray. And, uh, and, and I love the fact that, that, that we understand Jesus didn't rebuke him and say, oh, you should know how to pray. He, he, he actually began to teach him. Now, I'm encouraged by that because that means that teaching, the prayer can be taught. It's something that can be learned. We're not just supposed to automatically know what is, it is about. But we can be sure that, that we are meant to pray because Jesus said, when you pray. Not if you pray. He said, when you pray. So prayer is not optional. It is essential. And, you know, sometimes uh, in times gone by when I've uh, been 
like speaking prophetically, encouraging someone prophetically in their life. Sometimes, on occasion, I've, I've got them to stand on a chair. And the reason I've done that is because when they're standing on a chair, they're in the same room, but they have a different perspective of the room that they're in. And where I'm believing for God to give them a different perspective, I get them to stand on a chair. In a way, today, with this sermon, I'm getting you to stand on a chair. I'm getting you to see things, hopefully, from a different perspective. You're in the same room, but you're seeing it in a different way. It's a little bit like I heard the story of a man who, who uh, had saved up uh, a lot of money or a lot of money to him because he wanted to go on a cruise before he died. And so he saved up his money and he went on a Caribbean cruise. It was like a week or 10 days. And, uh, and at the end of the cruise, um, as people were exiting the ship, the captain was at the, at the, uh, the gangway and he was saying goodbye to all the passengers. And uh, when this guy was on his way off the ship, let's call him Mr. Smith, he went to shake the captain's hand and the captain, the captain said, Mr. Smith, I'm ever so sorry you didn't make it to dine with me at the captain's table because all the guests got to dine at the captain's table. And Mr. Smith knew it was the end of the trip and although he was a little bit embarrassed, he said, Sir, thank you so much. I just need you to understand that it actually cost me a lot of money to come on this cruise. And unfortunately, I couldn't afford to eat in the dining hall. So I just had biscuits in my cabin. And the captain looked at him and said, but Mr. Smith, didn't you realise that all that was included in the package? I, I, I just kind of want us to understand today that when it comes to what God wants for us, there's a lot included in the package. And some of us may be getting by on a few crumbs when actually there's some feasting that needs to be done. And he wants us to understand that. So let's crack on with Genesis chapter 1 because I, I believe that this will help us with our different perspective. And initially, it might seem like, well, I thought this was about prayer, but hold steady because you'll understand in a few moments. Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, I find this utterly intriguing because God handed over rule. He handed over authority to man, he, he gave man dominion over the earth. 
He said, subdue it. Rule it. Don't let, the, don't let the earth rule you. Don't let the environment rule you. You rule it. I, you know, even me, I think I'm having a little trouble getting my head around exactly what it was God was saying that day because I can, I can understand perhaps how to rule the garden. But God said, I want you to rule over fish. I want you to rule over birds. I mean, they, they pretty much seem to have a mind of their own. And yet man was handed an authority that could rule over fish and over birds. So it, was just, it wasn't just any random authority. God created man to express his authority in the earth. He said, I will send you to environments. I will put you in a garden. I will send you places and expect you to establish my rule there. I am giving you that authority. I am giving you that ability. Now, perhaps we can understand it from a different way because Jesus said in Matthew 28, He said that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He said, all authority has been given to me but you go, you go, you go and make, make disciples. Disciples need to be made. You're not just invited to be a disciple. You have to be made into a disciple, make disciples. Luke 10 verse 19 says, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Wow, that again is some significant authority over all the power of the enemy. Over all the power of the enemy, I am giving you that power. You see, for progress to be made in the natural and the spiritual, we need to pray. We must pray. However, we've understood from the story that we've just had that it is possible to pray. And it is possible to pray earnestly, yet not believe what you're praying is actually gonna happen and I think that many of us could say that we've prayed many times and we've prayed because that's what Christians do and we've said all the right things but in the back of our mind there's that little I mean Lord we know you can like Lord I know you can but will you I know you can but will you and, and I think that, that religion will, will tend 
to put us in a place of dependency and weakness because religion will put us underneath an all-powerful God. An all-powerful God who can do all things and can do anything. And, and, and we can pray the prayers, Oh God, if it be your will. If it be your will, Lord. And, and in a way, kind of lets us off the hook a little bit. Because we're saying, oh God, you know, Lord, I'm praying it. I'm not sure I really believe it could happen, but I'm saying all the right things. And just to cover my back, if it be your will. And then when it doesn't happen, which I'm kind of expecting it's not going to, we can just say, oh, well, (laughs) it wasn't the Lord's will. And yet, when we understand what we've just been reading, God intends for us to have power and dominion in the earth. He wants us to be salt. He wants us to be Light. He wants us to understand that He is sending us out into the environment to influence it, to have power over it. It is not meant to dictate to me what happens because of who is in me, because of what I have on my life. I go into that environment and I tell that environment what it needs to be. I subdue it. Yet not I, but He who lives in me. Greater is He that lives in me than He that is in the world. But I speak too. And if I come to an environment where I believe that the environment is more powerful than I am. If I do not come to that environment as a daughter of the King, as a son of the King, if I do not come to that environment as one who has been commissioned by Christ, then I am overwhelmed by fear. Because because that environment is powerful and overwhelming. The darkness is overwhelming. The The mess is overwhelming and I become fearful because of my own lack of worth in the kingdom because I am a little insignificant sinner. Oh, I serve a great and mighty God, but me, I'm just a small, weak, and let's be honest, I know all my issues. I know most of my issues. You maybe know some of the issues that I don't know about. But we've all got issues. We, we know, we, we, we've, got our, we've got our stuff that we present to the world, but we've got those little voices of fear and, and worry and anxiety and, and what if, and what if it doesn't? And, and those are the voices that are there. And yet the story that keeps presenting itself to us is different. So I can, be, I can be part of a church that is just sitting there saying, okay, Lord, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, we'll pray, if the Lord wills, maybe it happen, maybe it won't happen. Because I'm weak and I'm small. But I think Paul writing 
as it happened, he wrote to the Ephesian church and he wrote to the Colossian church, but we'll start with the Ephesians. He was trying to wake up an understanding in their hearts and in their minds. Ephesians 2, he says, but because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now I'm not standing on a chair. I'm sat on a chair in heavenly realms. If you want a different perspective, if you want a different perspective, try seeing it from Jesus' perspective. Try when you're coming to your problems, when you're coming to your mountains, when you're coming to your issues, when you're coming to the sickness, when you're coming to that marriage problem, when you're coming to that problem with your son or your daughter, when you're coming to that problem with your boss or your work situation. I am sat with Christ in heavenly places and He wants me to see from that perspective. He wants me to understand as Paul wrote to the Colossian church for he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's like Paul's trying to He's he's saying it to the Colossians, but he's saying it to Heart Church tonight. He's saying, guys, wake up. You need to wake up to what it is that Jesus has done for you because there's some very clear facts here. First, we are delivered out of Satan's dominion. We're out. You see, how many of us are living in this place where, well, the devil made me do it or I just, you know, I just feel under pressure from the devil. I just feel I'm in a dark place because of the devil and, and that stuff is real. I'm not, I'm not mocking that stuff. I'm just saying that I need to understand that when I, when I come under that stuff or that stuff tries to come upon me, we need to understand what Jesus has done through the cross at Calvary. I am no longer part of that dominion of darkness. I have been delivered. So what I'm feeling right now is a because I've been set free that stuff that's on my mind that demonic pressure that's over me that, that sense of temptation sure it's real but it's a lie because God has already paid for it I face the facts but I believe God The facts are that I'm facing something that's real and it feels so heavy and it feels so overwhelming. But the truth is I've been set free through the power of the blood of Jesus. Secondly, we are brought, we're not just brought out from, we are brought into the kingdom of the Son He loves. I am a new creation. A brand new man. You're, you're a brand new man, a brand new woman. You're not just somebody who was spruced up 
washed up, cleaned up, put a band-aid on you, you'll do. You are a completely different person. You are not just a slightly better version of the unsaved you. Oh, you're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. You are not just a slightly better version of the unsaved you. You're, you're, not, you're not just the, 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 the person who now is a slightly better behaved version. Oh, I used to do that. Oh, I've been set free from that. Where we just revolve around what we've been saved from and not what we've been saved for. The devil doesn't mind us talking about what we've been saved from, but that is just the beginning. That is square one. That is day one. That is, it's not about what, just what I've been saved from. It's what I've been saved for. My God, if we ever become part of a church who realise what they have been saved for, rather than sitting around just celebrating what we've been saved from. Oh, it's great you were on drugs and you've been set free. It's great that God saved your marriage. It's great that He delivered you from that sexual addiction. It's great you're a new creation, but that was just the beginning. You were saved for something. God has a plan for your life, a plan that He's spoken to being before you were even born, while you were being formed in your mother's womb. God knew you before a word was on your tongue. God saw it. All the days ordained for you were written in His book before one of them came to be. And the fact that I'm saved, the fact that I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, The fact that God has done that for me just gets me back to the original plan which He had when I was in my mother's womb. I'm saved from, but I'm saved for. The third is in whom we have our redemption. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. Satan has no legal right over me. Satan has no legal right over you. He has no right to fill you with depression. He has no right to tell you that you'll never be free from that sexual addiction. He has no right to tell you that you're a freak and if anybody ever knew that about you, they would never want anything to do with you. He has no right to tell you that stuff because I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus and the devil has no legal right over my life. Some of us, we sit around listening to the devil because we believe that he's got a right to say it. Then he comes and he says, oh, you're this and you're that. And you're going, no, it's true. Oh my God, yeah, it's true. Oh yeah, I'm be, I'm, oh, oh, I am a terrible, horrible sinner. Oh God, save me. God reaches out and He saves, saves you because you're going under. But you need, to, you need to know you are not a horrible sinner. You are a saved man. You are a saved woman washed, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Saved through the cross of Calvary. 
He redeems us. He recreates us. He delivers us out of Satan's authority. He forgives us for every wrong we've ever done. And that is not the end of the story. It is the beginning of the story. We have been empowered through Jesus to overcome, to influence our environments. When I pray in the name of Jesus, I have power and authority, not because of me, but because of the name of Jesus. You see, if we ever got to understand who we are in Christ. You've got to understand the devil does not mind us meeting here. He does not mind church. He doesn't mind Christians getting together and singing lovely songs. He doesn't mind us going to conferences and reading Christian books. He doesn't mind us having God TV on and TBN. He doesn't mind us coming to church every week. He doesn't mind any of that stuff. Because as long as He can keep us contained, as long as He can keep us in a small place, as long as He can keep us believing that we're just weak, inferior, small, overwhelmed sinners with no power and no real authority. And we, we pray prayers because that's what Christians do. But, but that's as far as it goes. And maybe now and again, Jesus comes through for us, but really that's all we can expect. And hey, you know what? Never mind, because after all, I used to be like this and now Jesus has set me free. And hey, one day I'm gonna be going to heaven and I'm gonna be with Him forever. And so it's all good, really. He doesn't mind People thinking like that. If ever, if ever there was a dangerous message, if ever there was a dangerous people on the face of the earth, it is people who believe that God Almighty has saved them and that they are called to influence, subdue their environment. We've got to believe that when we pray in the name of Jesus God answers those prayers. John 16 verse 23 says, In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. You see, when we pray in the name of Jesus, we give Jesus the power of eternity, attorney rather to go to the Father and speak on our behalf. Because if I remind you and take you back to the beginning of the story that when God handed rule and dominion to man, Male and female, when he handed rule to them and said, go and subdue the earth, he never took it back. He never took that authority back. That's why, that's, that's why we need to understand that through the name of Jesus, we can, let me put it this way. God has chosen 
to limit himself to you and I. He handed over the rule. Honestly, if I was God, I don't think I would have done it. But he handed the rule over to men and women and entrusted to them the care of the earth. And we in the name of Jesus are given authority to unleash the power of God in the earth. That's what John was saying. He said, he said, until now you've not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Because when I pray in the name of Jesus, I'm not praying to my own authority. And I am calling on the name of God. And now I'm not just praying, okay, God, well, if it's your will. If it be your will, Lord, I don't know. You know, I know that you answer some people's prayers. I don't, I'm not really sure you're going to answer mine. But, but, but if it be your will, Lord. And yet, do you understand how important it is to have the right perspective? Because if I approach my environment as the poor, weak, sinner, overwhelmed, I don't have any power. I mean, God is powerful. But no, it, Malcolm has no power. But as a son of God, as a child of the King, in the name of Jesus, I can rise up and I can speak to that environment and I can say, in the name of Jesus, this needs to change. This cannot stay as it is. And I call on the name of the Father in the name of Jesus and He sees someone who is given authority to, who has given rule to, and He says, I'm gonna sort that out. I'm gonna change that environment. Rather than me sitting there being overwhelmed by the environment, we're saying, well, if God wants to change it, He will. God has already shown that He wants to change it. He put you in it. He put you in that office. He put you in that family. He put you in that classroom. He put you in that lecture Paul, he put you in that situation. You are his woman. You are his man. You are his agent, agent of light and grace and power and anointing standing in the name of Jesus. God is just looking for somebody who will realize who they are. He's just looking for someone who will realize who they are carrying, that they are carrying the anointing of God into those situations. They're not going in as themselves. They're going in as Jesus. You say, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Okay, let me say this. Where's uh, Lawrence and Tando? Now, let me explain something here. This situation that I'm about to talk to you about actually would never happen. But I'm just trying to get you to understand Lawrence is Tando's line manager and I am Lawrence's line manager. That is in the structure of this place uh, and that's the way it is. So if I say, and this is where it breaks down because if I said this, he'd do it, but we're going to pretend he wouldn't. If I said, Tando, go and tell Lawrence to make me a coffee. And Tando goes to Lawrence and said, that's it, make me a coffee. He doesn't mention me. Lawrence has had a bit of a bad day. I've upset him. He's not like, you know, not in the mood to be helpful. And, uh, and he says to Tando, no, I'm not doing it. You make it. 
Right. Like, forget it, I'm busy. You see, because I sent Tando, but Tando, Tando has used his own authority to try and get a result. But you see, if Tando goes to Lawrence and said, Pastor Malcolm sent me to say to you, make me a coffee. You see, now Tando is... Wow, that that is. Guys, what a team. What a team. What a team. What a team. Lawrence, I said we didn't have to do that in public. (laughs) We don't have to do that in public. It's okay. Um, So you see, when Tando went in his own authority, he didn't get a result. That could be frustrating to him. Why have I not got a result? Because I did what I was told. I said what I was told to say, but he went in his own authority. The moment he used the authority that had been given him, he got different results because in that moment, he was not standing there as Tando Zulu. He was standing there as Pastor Malcolm Baxter because he was carrying my authority. He went in my name and he got a different result. Thanks guys. Do you understand that when you go in your own name, when you try to do it yourself, when you try to do it on your own, you're gonna be frustrated. But when you go in the name of Jesus, you are no longer standing in your own strength and your own anointing. You're standing in the power of the one who sent you. We've got to stop praying from a position of powerlessness and pray from a position of power. I'm running out of time, but you know, listen, one of the things that we need to understand is that the way we view ourselves is really important because it will it will determine our ability to persist in prayer. I don't know whether you remember the account where Jesus told a parable and he told a parable to his disciples. And he said this. It was a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? Let me just say, God is not an unjust judge. But Jesus is saying, sometimes when you pray, it's going to feel like this. It's going to feel like you're praying and you're getting nowhere. It's going to feel like you're powerless. It's gonna feel like you're saying the same thing over and over again and you're getting nowhere. It feels like that, but it's not like that because God was at work in the judge's heart. That's why it's important that I know I'm I'm coming back. 
I'm knocking on heaven's door again because I know who I am and I know whose I am and I know that he has given me all power and authority in the name of Jesus and it doesn't feel right now like I'm getting anywhere and I feel powerless but the devil is a liar I know that what God has given me is enough he has given me the words to say he has given me the authority to speak he has given me the ability to speak into my environment I can go into that housing estate I can go into that city I can go into that factory I can go into that classroom I can go into any situation because I am carrying the anointing of an incredible God sing we're gonna sing but just listen one thing I've said it all I've said all that I want to take you back to those Christians those Christians that were praying and not believing but God was gonna do it they were praying prayers earnestly and not believing that God would do it I just want to remind you that God is so committed to answering prayer even though they didn't believe it, he did it anyway. He did it anyway. So just keep praying. Keep believing. Keep persisting. Keep going. Because God answers prayer. Hallelujah. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.